in the beginning, there was nothing but Yogg. The primordial chaos, the swirling void of malice and madness that predates all. The six gods created the Earth as a prison to contain the evil and immensity of Yogg. Then they abandoned their creation and entrusted mortals with its care. But Yogg is patient. It awaits only the day when it will rupture the earth and plunge all creation into another eternity of terror and darkness. From its stronghold in the land of Yoggoth, the Black Star enlists mortals towards its sinister ends. Those benighted souls who choose to serve who heed that dark calling, are the world's worst. Loathsome, wicked, depraved, and ravenous. They are our heroes. All Hail Yogg is a D&D actual play evil campaign brought to you by the creators of Experience Points. In All Hail Yogg, our rotating cast of villains are the fell servants of a Dark Lord, and must travel the realms of Undune to enact Yogg's evil upon the Earth. This adventure is called The Covenant, and will last about ten episodes. When it's finished, there'll be a new adventure with a new party of villains. All Hail Yogg is also brought to you by our patrons. If you like the show, please consider joining our Patreon. You can find us at www.patreon.com slash xpwebseries. And now, on with the show. The adventure begins on the 27th of Borson, year 897, in the Fourth Age of Omdune. This is The Covenant, Episode 1. In the lightless arcades beneath a sacred mountain at the heart of the land of the dead, a trio of grave robbers have stumbled upon a forgotten tomb. Caution accompanies them into a vast chamber, larger than all the rest, and adorned with faded hieroglyphs from ages past. A sepulchre of high honor and high wealth, they assume, with a shared smirk. Their torchlight plays across a sarcophagus, crumbled with age but no less grandiose, and they are alarmed to discover it ajar. Are they too late? Has some more enterprising thief beat them to the prize? Then a shadow grows against the tomb's far wall, and the fate of all three robbers is sealed. What gruesome ends do the three interlopers meet? The first of the grave robbers hears a wet, gurgling sound from behind him, and when he looks back, he sees one of his companions. His, his throat has been completely slashed open, and he's already drained mostly of his blood. Then he looks to the right, and he sees almost a gust of wind like razor blades go across the other person's throat. He doesn't see what it is, it's just a flash. He starts to run. 
somewhere in the Warrens. He sees it, and his own lifeblood is drained instantly. As the last body slumps to the ground, the slithering shadow retreats to the darkness of the sarcophagus. With a creak of antediluvian hinges, the lid slams shut, and there is stamped a symbol, crudely drawn, yet to be perfected. An eldritch star that swells with a sudden green glow. As the glow fades, the sarcophagus and its occupant dissolve into wisps of black smoke. The flash of green reveals the withered bodies, emptied of blood, nothing but desiccated husks that carpet the floor of the tomb in their thousands. In a dank dungeon far from the light of day, there is one cell that the jailer always fears to pass. A young man, no more than sixteen winters, it is his unlucky duty to patrol the Citadel's prison at night. Traitors and criminals lurk in the shadows of every cell, but he does not fear them, secured by lock and key. Yet as he approaches the cell in question, the lantern in his hand begins to tremble. He knows he cannot trust what he sees inside, and so concentrates as hard as he can not to turn, not to look. Yet, in the end, as they always do, his terror and his curiosity overcome him, and he turns to peer into that frightful cell. What does the jailer see? A small child stands right behind the bars. Watery eyes looking up at the jailer. Please, sir. I'm so scared. I don't want to be here. Please let me out. As she waits for a blink of his eye, suddenly a large man appears. Well-muscled, easily over 6'5". Oi, boy! Let me out of here! Come on! Get through here! Come on, let me out! Waiting for another blink of his eye, suddenly a very buxom lady with raven hair presses up against the bars. Hi there, sugar. Come on, why don't you come on in here and we'll have a little fun. Come on, just open the door. Come right on in. The darkness is pierced by a flash of green as the symbol, an eldritch star burnt onto the prisoner's lower back, seethes with sorcerous power. The prisoner, the fiend, flashes a wicked smile as tendrils of black smoke wrap around her and carry her away. Horror-struck, the young jailer gops at the swirling smoke, all that remains of the shape-shifting prisoner, before sounding the alarm. In a benighted workshop, a creature, an abomination, is dying on the slab. Its corpse flesh, knit and knit again, peels from necrosis. A breathless moan escapes its lips. There is no hint of life natural or otherwise anywhere in the great grotesque carcass reeking of rot, ozone, and formaldehyde. Through the shadows darts another figure, furtive, frantic, muttering. He toggles a switch, he adjusts some cables, and always he gazes skyward. Through the skylight, the figure watches the rain patter the glass, the clouds brewing overhead, 
the enormous lightning coil that stabs at the sky. Then, the clouds burst. What happens when the lightning strikes? As the current of electricity runs down a cable, the figure becomes giddy with excitement, continuing to dart from one part of the room to another, making sure everything is perfect. He comes across two cords that are disconnected. As he tries to reconnect them, pulling them as hard as he can to connect the two, he now realizes that one of them is too short. As the lightning continues to race from one cord to another, we see that time has run out for the figure. He has to be the extension cable. The lightning reaches his fingertips and shocks him to his core. His hair becomes static and steam begins to release his pores, but it's enough. The lightning has reached its final destination, the creature. The electricity begins to flash across this creature and pulsate through the stitching like a heartbeat. This irregular heartbeat, but then fades to nothing. In the split second after the lightning fades, the workshop is illumined by another flash this time of green, this time originating from somewhere beneath the doctor's overcoat. His cackle of triumph is transformed into a howl of anguish as black smoke steals him away from his work and what's more, his beloved. For a long moment, the carcass lies still, unmoving, smoldering slightly. Then, with a sudden cry and crackle of lightning, she sits bolt upright, screaming wordlessly for her master. So the three of you, then, <laughs> appear in three fountains of black flame at precisely the same time, at precisely the same location. All three of you have at least been summoned before. For some of you, it has been quite a long time. But two centuries. of you... Centuries. Centuries, <laughs> if not more. But for two of you, you think you know where you are when you appear, but it takes you a moment to realize that none of the surroundings are exactly the same. You are standing atop the summit of a high tower, but it's not the normal tower you would come to. There's no swirling black stone of Yoggoth, but you see that it's sort of gray, utilitarian, sort of mortal stone. It looks like regular stonework. But you can see as you look around, it's covered, like almost like from base to, to summit, in this black twisting, pulsating greenery, these like horrible, evil brambles that have like wrapped themselves all the way up this tower. As you gaze around, you can see the tower stands upon a rocky island in what just looks like a wide ocean. It's maybe like just, the sun is like just sinking in the west, so the stars are starting to glitter out um, uh, above you. And you can see that down below in the fortress where this tower stands over there can be seen like the amassed forces of evil. There are infernal legions are camped there, orcish war camps, glistening black structures of stone that have burst up out of the earth, all sort of marshaled for invasion. Far and away from this summit, you can see sort of to the east and west and south, the distant lights and coastlines of what just looks like city in all directions, all along the two coastlines across this ocean. Like, it's almost impossible for it to be that much city, right? Isn't it just spreads all the way across the horizon. It's still very distant, but you can just see the glittering lights of it. But the three of you kind of like appear uh, and take in your surroundings and realize you are not where you were expecting to be. Hmm. And the first fountain of black flame appears, not a person, but with a heavy thud, like thunk, this like huge stone sarcophagus. Do you want to describe what this sarcophagus looks like for us? It is like super heavy stone and it does have the sort of appearance of an Egyptian sarcophagus to mm -hmm. it, but like the first one, you know what I mean? This is like where the first pharaoh would have been 
entombed. Mm. Modern day sarcophagi are a lot more fancy and opulent and gold looking. Like but modern this, day, <laughs> you know, nowadays when you're buried in a sarcophagus. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? They just, eventually they're like, let's throw jewels and shit yeah. on there. But at this point it was like, that wasn't even quite a thing yet. So the, do we see something carved on it? Like what do we? A little like, bit, yeah. yeah. You, see, you see the visage of a man with slick back hair and he's got the arms crossed over and he's holding in one hand like a scepter or yeah. the thing is is like this is stuff that is so lost to age right, that yeah these the instruments guy... that mean nothing to you now yep. like you don't get what it would mean right? that yeah. Who's, yeah who's about to pop out would be like yeah I don't know what that shit is I don't, <laughs> I don't really remember uh, does it just sit there does anything happen or does it just like I think it sits there for a while okay and then the lid floats off oh, of it yeah. and oh, nice. lays down and floating up and out of it <laughs> is that uh, fucking rad actually you know i don't even i don't even picture it's like floating out mm, i think okay. there's like some mist and it's yeah, almost like, like like belches a bunch of black smoke yeah, right and then you yeah fucking, and yeah. it's like maybe with the passing of some sand there he is right. and it, he is he's uh so obviously a vampire <laughs> <laughs> But he's the first one. He's mm -hmm. fucking ancient. His skin is completely white and grayed, and his fingers have sort of turned into these long claws. He's completely bald, and he's got his ears have sort of pointed. He himself and his eyes are like sort of animal-like. They have that sort of like animal glow in the darkness, and the, yeah. the mm -hmm. pupils are like slits, and the rest of it is this sort of That's cool. yellowy. Are you wearing any clothes? Are you like in the buff? Like what's he's got like pants. <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay. about it. Uh, otherwise, like dungarees. Like, what's he wearing? <laughs> yeah, they're they're pretty. They're like pretty simple, okay. like threadbare trousers. I I okay. think. Like, sure. like peasants kind of. Yeah, and, like, well, like I, rotted I, with age. Yeah, I think I think the rest of it is yeah, just yeah. kind of gone off, oh, and whatever wow. else was there, he probably like maybe threw away. Maybe it's even like a belt that like holds some cloth to it still. So like, yeah. they're pants in quotes, but, but like it's like a skirt. Kind of. yeah. Almost. Yeah. yeah. Right. And around his neck, there is a, there is a medallion from this sort of bygone time. It's there more out of habit than right, out of yeah. any sort of okay. meaning. Uh, you sort of like coalesce, right, mm -hmm. out of, the, out of the, the smoke. Next to this first figure appears in a flash of black flame. Desdemonia. She first appears as this maiden with the raven hair, but as soon oh. as she gets there, she does a stretch and suddenly transforms back into her natural yeah, self. Yeah, we never talked about this. Is it like a mystique thing or like the skin peel? Like what, is it, what does the transformation actually look I like? I feel like it's a mystique sort of okay, thing. Yeah, like yeah. I feel like it starts from the top of her head every time, oh, so her like... horns pop out first. Oh, that's cool. And then the rest of it just kind of goes, like and then that. like the yeah. wings come. Yeah. Right. She's a succubus. Okay, yeah, cool. jet black eyes. She is like dark purplish red skin, a little black sheen to it. These tiny wings that have black webbing in there. There's again like little purple sheen in there. Stark black hair. She's got the horns, the tail, all that good stuff. Wearing studded leather. Studded leather in air quotes. Quote unquote studded right, leather. Like, there's there's some armor there somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. It's predominantly, <laughs> it covers, you know. like some, some areas. Some curves, yeah, great. Uh, excellent. What does she do the moment that she appears? She has never been to this mm -hmm. tower before. Right. Interesting. You can make like a check maybe. Check yeah, where you I'd like are. to because I mean, yeah. Some history. 18 history. 18, okay. Well, there's a couple of little touchstones you can hit on. You see that, that coastline with that city. There's only one place in the world that could be and that's Thorpe which is this massive city that stretches across like half of two continents. And you know that a couple of years ago, Yogg led a campaign to try to conquer that city, Thorpe, and took like a tiny little island, a fortress called the Gatehouse, that's right on the uh, the cusp of that. Like, like basically, it's like it's this island that protected the bay from invasion. And it was this big, huge quest that you weren't summoned on that one, but several of the marked led an invasion to take over this island. And so you like, it takes you a minute, but you can kind of put together like, okay, this is like a forward advance, a command post for Yogg. 
uh, rather than being summoned straight into the heart of Yogg's okay. domain. Yeah. Gotcha. Great. Awesome. But what else do you think she does when she appears? Um, after that, I think she'll go to, after she sees the coastline, then she'll like look down and see the can encampment and she's mm-hmm. like, oh. I'm basically home. This is cool. Yeah, right. Like, wait a minute, like, <laughs> wait, hold good. on. Clarify. <laughs> just, like, just like, 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 orcs butchering people and eating <laughs> yeah. them, right? And, like, horrible infernal <sighs> rites. Like, oh, cool. Woof. God, I was worried for a second, right? That's great. But now we're familiar. Perfect. Excellent. So then in the third, so that would be, let's see, uh, behind the first figure appearing in a burst of black flame appears. Dr. Hubert Hilkington. He is a, a human. He's like, I think he's about six feet from what yeah. I remember from last time. I think we said, yeah, like he's yeah. tall, but like thin, tall, right? but he's thin, very raily, and he kind of hunches a lot, so he, he appears a little bit shorter than what he actually is. He's got a long uh, trench coat and uh, gloves that kind of reach over the trench coat, and he's got these uh, spectacles, um, mm. a lens that like flips different lenses depending on what he needs to look through. And he's got this earphone sort of a thing. It's like it looks like he, it looks like a hearing aid, like a little mini, um, like a little ear trumpet. Right? Yeah, like a little ear trumpet. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's like um, a weird contraption. It's like built into the side of your head. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And they, you could imagine that they're kind of the same contraption, like connected, oh, like the cool. the uh, crazy hair, right? So yeah, absolutely yeah. crazy hair. They're all. Um, it's it's you know kind of the Doc Brown sort of mm-hmm. uh, imaginary. But I, I kind of feel like, just because it's been five years, he's probably balding or something like oh, that. Now. <laughs> so it's like, I, maybe it's like that kind of Bernie Sanders thing now. Yeah. You know, it's like crazy. Still, still crazy. Back, but bald on the just top. bald on I the top. I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's all burnt and scorched. And yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah and that's, the, I feel like it's probably from like some accident. Not necessarily <laughs> that he balded, <laughs> right. but it's just like this like crazy thing happened where he just like lost his. bald in like three years. No, he did, because he was already, well, he's. Great. I guess he's in his 40s necessarily. Now, if it's been five years, he's maybe close to 50. Yeah. But okay, he appears he appears though. much older yeah. than yeah. that. He's like kind of, yeah. He looks like he's 70 for sure. <laughs> I like the um, idea too that his eyebrows were saved by his goggles from what. Yeah, the eyebrows are still there. Everything else is still there. Burnt away. Yeah, it appears like he balded. Are the eyebrows as bushy and crazy as the hair that does remain? Perfectly. You got like the bandolier of like syringes and stuff too, right? That's right. Absolutely. It's like it's kind of like with his underneath his jacket. There's like bandoliers of different syringes and gear and stuff like that. What does the uh, what does the doctor do when he arrives? Well, you tower? know, I, I, he doesn't necessarily know what happened to his beloved. Mm-hmm. So he's pretty, he's kind of dismayed. He's not really about this right now. Yeah. You um, would know that generally when you get summoned, Elizabeth doesn't come with you. So right. Like, but yeah, you're just not sure like, just, whether I don't she, know, what like, happened in the experiment. And yeah. he's really, he's pretty caught up on, he's, he hasn't been too successful with reconstructing her. Right. And he wants to, he's trying to find a way to make it more of a permanent thing. So you're, are you like frantic? Like, what's what? What do we what do we see? Right. I think it's not necessarily like you know he's usually already kind of a frantic, like <laughs> yeah. running around, like <laughs> messing with people. So now he's just kind of he's a little sulky and he's kind of okay. He's maybe sitting and he's maybe not. Yeah, he's maybe kind of actually sitting and just looking up at the sky and thinking. Interesting. Yeah, mm. that's funny because it's just such a frantic character. Yeah. Right. So what then now is what he's kind of thinking to himself. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> totally. You all appear. The two of you, at least we know, you have been summoned before Azothamet, but I don't know how long it's been, presumably thousands of years or hundreds of years. There's wow. always this weird five-minute period where when you get summoned, before Yogg, like, sort of fashionably elate, arrives <laughs> at the scene. So you're kind of just like, got a few minutes to kill, <laughs> chilling, uh, what's going on? How old is Thorpe? Have I seen this ever in uh, my life? Thorpe is <laughs> is old, but it's not your like. No, <laughs> it's not as old. So have, I've never seen this. You have no idea where you are. So this is like, well, this is kind of yeah. Okay. Okay, great. <laughs> um, then I probably I'll, he'll look to you and he'll say, "You are new to me." 
as is this. Looking off at Thorpe. At Thorpe, yeah, these like <laughs> glittering lights. Uh, mm-hmm. Azothamet has addressed you, Desimonia. How do you feel like you would respond to that? I would slowly walk towards him but I'd like get too close and then like go past him really fast to go towards the sarcophagus because that's fascinating. (laughs) Just like brush by. Just like like, super go to there and I like kind of like scratch at it with one of my claws and I want to see what he does. Okay. So Desmond is going over and investigating your your sarcophagus. Alathomet, what do you do? I would prefer if you didn't touch my bed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yikes. A bunch of dirty Kleenexes lining the inside of it. it. Yeah, (laughs) like, oh, gross. Oh, in that case, my bad. Sorry. Okay, cool. <laughs> Doctor, what are you up to? Are you still muttering and staring up at the stars? You know, um, he might be a little interested in the in the in Azothamet. Azothamet. Thank you, Azothamet. <laughs> Can I do like a history check? Yeah, on absolutely. Az- Azothamet. Okay, yeah. cool. This like some of the symbols maybe you're looking at, trying to figure out. Right? Oh, not very good. <laughs> 13. Okay. Yeah. I can give you some world-specific details. I don't know if there's anything you want to embellish with it, Stephen, but like you would know at least that some of the symbols and stuff are from a, a nation or like a, a place called Thanatos, okay. which is largely, largely believed to be kind of a myth. It's it's like a nation of the undead is what the stories say. Oh. All like the aristocracy are these different forms of undead. So vampires supposedly rule there and mummies rule there and liches rule there and things like that. And the humans are like oppressed. But it's kind of like, it's somewhere far to the south and like it doesn't really exist on that kind of thing. You've heard rumors. Gotcha. But now you're looking at like, well, that's a symbol. So it's like seeing someone like, hey, I'm from Atlantis. Like, yeah, exactly. Right, and here, here he is. Uh-huh. And you're seeing some of these symbols on this coffin, and you're having this moment of like, oh, God. I don't know if there's anything you want to add to that, Stephen. But. Well, I, how, do you, how well did you do, I guess? A 13. 13, not the greatest. I have a good history. But the, and the scale, the scale here is really important. I really like, kind of, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I really kind of like the idea that at this, uh, the most kind you might lost. know of me is like a, a scary campfire story. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? That it's not like. That's kind of. That's cool. Though. Sort of really half forgotten, but the idea right. is that all vampires are here because of mm, this yeah. dude. He was the progenitor yeah. of all vampires. He's at the top of the vampire pyramid scheme. What was the, the name of the, the uh, yeah. Thanatos. Thanatos. Thanatos, land of the dead. Yep. Interesting. I want everyone then, while uh, you're kind of over there poking at his bed, uh, <laughs> to give me perception checks, the three of you. Uh, 17. Great. 12. 13. 13, great. All three of you hear this sound. You're the only one that can like pinpoint where it's coming from. There is this very weird noise that like, there's a lot of activity in the camp and the army down below, but like on one side of the tower, away from the camp, there's this like, like grinding, scraping sound. You guys are not really sure what it sounds like exactly. I mean, I don't know if you want to describe a little bit more like what they hear. Be a lot of breaking rocks, some metal scraping along, uh, lots of grunting. You probably hear like some breaking some of wood too. Like mm. it almost sounds like some of these brambles maybe being snapped or demolished. Grunting and huffing and these like big angry breaths. But it's coming from like one corner of the tower. You can't see where it's coming from. You think it's maybe like down. If you were to go to the edge and like look down. I absolutely go towards wherever this noise is coming from. I'm like, I have my weapons drawn to. I'm like, okay, something is this coming, coming. Here. Yeah, great. Uh, so Des- the shot is like Desdemonia walking over to the edge and like peering over and like your black eyes get mm. wide and then the camera switches and what do we see coming up the side of the tower you see a white dragon who happens to be entirely black clawing her way up this this tower, tower. yeah there's cliff, like some cliff, rock and then this rock. huge tower that comes up so uh, i don't know how far you are up at this point oh god she's probably like what halfway through Sure, yeah, somewhere wherever, there. However far you I think feel like she's getting closer again. Behind her, there is this big, massive thing of metal. You don't necessarily know what it is yet. Glinting. It's definitely a little dented at this point. I think it's like quite beaten tarnished. out of shape. Yeah, like. <laughs> but one of her back legs would be holding that as she's using her front claws to try and pull herself up. She's down to just her left wing. Her right is completely gone. There's scars all over her. 
And just like, yeah. just like clawing and like, oh my god! Yeah, it's this horrible scene of just like you know, Herculean might, yes, but like awful, like torture like, oh and agony, god, right? Like you can yeah. see the pain, like 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 racked all across this creature's body. Yeah. Yeah. She probably slips back down a little bit yeah. here and there, tries to claw her way back up. Right. Yeah. I think as soon as I see this, I do like a weird jump back with my wings to like help me go back to the other side like, of the holy tower. Shit. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. oh. Right. Yeah. And it's just clawing and working its way up, and it's almost just like background noise in the scene while this is happening. You can hear this like exertion. When you turn around, maybe the two of you see this first, in the center of the tower, like on the, on the summit, that's kind of where all of these thorns and brambles like come together and they start to like, like pulse and grow and twist around each other and almost begin to form into sort of a humanoid shape. And then they like, once they do that, they like wilt away and just drift into dust. And standing there in the midst of this like thorn castle, is a 15-year-old elven girl. Uh, She is totally pale, bone white. Her hair is like cropped way, 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 way down. Her ears like sticking up and very prominent. She's wearing a dress that is made out of these thorns. So it's always kind of like pulsing and moving on her as she's standing there with her arms spread and just sort of looking at you. And you can see that her eyes are not really eyes in those traditional almost like desdemonious eyes where there's no pupils of any kind but you just see the swirling void of yog inside this black and green essence just kind of like as though she's entirely filled with this presence the last time that yog summoned you as Othamet, they were this like ancient decrepit old saruman like wizard that was shackled to a throne this is very weird to you this is obviously the vessel of yog there's no doubt about it but you have never seen this body before and that's like a very new thing for you I think Dr. Hubert's probably putting the pieces together here, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah uh-huh. This is the new vessel. This is the new vessel, yeah. right? And you recognize some of the, the facial features this, of a young child that once the... you kidnapped. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Indeed. Um, oh and so God. the vessel sort of stands there <laughs> and looks out at the group of you, the three of you. Desmond just like turned around to see mm-hmm. them. How does the group react when Yogg sort of makes their entrance? I give just like wonderful wake of smile. I'm like, <laughs> great. Cool. I remember those days. <laughs> totally. I think I'll genuflect my head in sort of a respectful, great like, head bow. Cool. Excellent. Yeah, gotcha. I'll do the same. Well, like I'll bend the knee, as they say, or whatever. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Uh, but yeah, Jesus, that's crazy. Yogg stands there for a moment. There's like a moment of silence, but all you can hear is like, and the grunting and the scraping. It's like, like this huge beast. When Yogg speaks, you hear two voices. You hear the, the sort of the soft, gentle voice of this 15-year-old elven girl. But like, like her throat is moving, but she has no control over what's being said. And then underneath, you hear this like deep, dark, abyssal voice that's speaking common, but you know this is the true voice of Yogg, like speaking through. There is a covenant of nations that stands against Yogg. When When next their leadership convenes, you shall assassinate them all. Thanks for listening to All Hail Yogg. If you like the show, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It's really the best way to steer new ears towards the podcast. We would really appreciate it. All Hail Yogg is an Experience Points production. It was directed and dungeon mastered by Timothy J. Meyer. Azothamet was played by Stephen Maloney, at Stephen Maloney on Twitter. Desdemonia was played by Heather Lore, at Land of Lore on Instagram. Dr. Hubert was played by Cody Bushy, at Cody Bushy on Twitter. Skura was played by Megan Captain, at II underscore Captain on Instagram. 
Tim Alvarez, at the way Tim moves on Twitter, was our audio engineer. The game was played using the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition rule set, as owned by Wizards of the Coast. The main titles are A Night on Bald Mountain by Modest Mazorski, as performed by the Skidmore College Orchestra. Additional music includes The Dante Symphony by Franz Lietz, performed by the Berlin Philharmonic. The Battle on the Ice by Sergei Prokofiev, performed by the West London Symphonia and the St. Matthew's Concert Choir. Symphony No. 5 in D minor by Dmitry Shostakovich, performed by the DuPage Symphony Orchestra. String Quartet No. 8 by Dmitry Shostakovich, performed by the Lawrence Street String Quartet. Uranus by Gustav Holtz, performed by the Royal Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra. We claim no rights on any music used. Thanks for listening, and yog before all.